welcome everybody to another exciting, fabulous episode of the Terrific Talk Podcast. The podcast that aims to answer this question every week. Why horror? And we have another awesome guest for you this evening. I will be talking here in a few minutes with Bicycle of Death, who is a Twitch content creator and fellow horror enthusiast and fellow Friday the 13th enthusiast. So, yay! I am so excited to be talking with him tonight. But first, I'm going to be starting with the segment called Brandy Recommends, which is a segment where I recommend a horror film, um, horror book, um, any kind of horror-related thing that I think that you should have your finger on and you should be paying attention to. And this week on Brandy Recommends, I am going to be recommending this horror YouTuber by the name of Count Jacula. I was only recently introduced to him by a member of my community in July of last year. I was on one of his shows where we just for six hours just shot the shit about horror and all sorts of other topics. But he is mainly a horror YouTuber who streams live uh, from YouTube mainly. He also uh, streams on Twitch from time to time. And he also does reviews of um, horror shows, horror movies. Sometimes, you know, something captures his fancy, like with uh, Bumblebee. Like, the, he does a vlog about that. And you will also often see him collaborate with another horror YouTuber by the name of the Horror Guru. But the reason why I like Count Dracula so much is that he always has an interesting take on horror. It's very knowledgeable, very well-researched. And I really enjoy listening to him because he is funny as hell. So that is my recommendation to you for this week is the Count, uh, Count Dracula. And if you want to know where about to go for his YouTube, it is youtube.com slash user slash planet Dracula. Because his whole thing is I'm Count Dracula for the, from the planet Dracula. <laughs> And hello, welcome to the interview portion of the Terrific Talk podcast. And with me this evening, I have Bicycle of Death, who is also a Twitch streamer and fellow horror enthusiast. So welcome, sir. Thank you for inviting me onto the show. It was uh, kind of spontaneous, and I was like, <laughs> Whoa, what am I getting myself into? <laughs> Well, hopefully you won't want to run screaming in the opposite direction. <laughs> well, it is uh, about horror, so maybe that's exactly what your viewers want. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> so that may end up happening at some point in the episode, everybody, so just be prepared for that. But let's go ahead and get started with you get to take over for a little bit, and you get to introduce yourself. <laughs> You get to talk about uh, what you do in the content creation world. And yeah, so take it away, sir. My online alias is Bicycle of Death, which is derived from two of my favorite things in the universe, uh, pedal bicycles and death metal. I am a former uh, pro-level BMX rider, 
and I've been collecting uh, extreme metal on physical format since uh, probably 10, 11, 12 years old. And I got into vinyl collecting because of my uh, father, who was a uh, DJ in the 80s. Not one of those fancy DJs, but just some dude who plays music at weddings. And uh, I, I ended up taking over some of his equipment and progressively just... It, it's where all my money goes. It's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm also... Uh, I got into streaming with uh, The Division on Twitch. And that's been, uh, in my opinion, for something that started off originally as uh, trying to find a way to uh, report cheaters better. So this way I had video. I found out that it's just as easy to record video as it is to stream. So I started with that. Turns out, after re-watching some of those cheaters that I caught, I found out that I just suck at Division PvP and <laughs> stuck with streaming. And I've... Uh, be because of uh, my involvement in the Division community is actually how I got here tonight, which is incredible. Uh, the people that I've met through the Division community uh, brought me to, uh, uh, it was Grindhead Jim that brought me to That Nerd Violet. And through That Nerd Violet, I met uh, Galaxy Graves. <laughs> and through Galaxy Graves, I met you. So <laughs> It's like six degrees of Twitch almost. Yep. It's, uh, <laughs> it's amazing what networking can do. And for some, like I said, something that started off as uh, a way to capture cheaters and re report them so they could uh, uh, reap their punishment. Uh, it's it's a beautiful thing. It's absolutely beautiful. Yeah, I love all the people that I've met on Twitch. It's just those that I've met on Twitch and also in the horror community have been nothing short of kind mm -hmm. and gracious and awesome. Just like, I love this. Like, I don't know like what, um, where I would be just now, just at this point without Twitch. And I'm sure that you feel like the exact same way. Exactly. Yeah. And okay. It, oh, go ahead. It's, uh, I can't, can't think of the right word. It's almost like a, uh, not an oxymoron. Maybe. No. Ironic. That's the word I was. There you go. For. There you go. <laughs> uh, it's ironic that you take the, a horror community, like something that's, uh, built on, uh, fear on gore, on uh, violence, on psychological terror. Well, that's fear, but, uh, you know, all those elements. And then same thing with uh, death metal. Death metal is kind of like the, the horror genre of music. And you have all those elements in the music. And you take the people in those communities, and a lot of them are very kind and welcoming, which yeah. is really interesting because when you're watching a horror, you're watching people getting slaughtered on, on the silver screen. And then everybody's like, Hey, how would you like that film? <laughs> and everybody's so welcoming. Yeah. Just, yeah. Like, ironic. I think would be like the best word to describe it because mm -hmm. you would um, think like, Oh, these people are scary. They're totally like not approachable at all. And I found that to be the exact opposite. So let's see here. I was going to go somewhere else with this, but I, I lost my train of thought. That, that often happens on here. My brain just stops. But oh, It happens. Okay, I know what I wanted to ask. All right, so 
you said that you got your start on Twitch with the Division 2, but I noticed that whenever I took like a quick peek at your channel, you also stream like maybe a few games that might be considered a scary or just like um, in the uh, horror genre. So talk a little bit about um, those types of games that you stream on your channel. Uh, well, for horror games, there's uh, a lot of elements of games that I've played that the horror element in it is actually what got me attached to the game. Uh, before I go on with the games that uh, that I play, there's one that has always stood out to me, and uh, that's Fallout 3. And I'm I'm not a huge fan of the Fallout series ever since it went first person. Uh, but the there's an Easter egg in Fallout 3 in one of the expansions, and I cannot recall the name of the expansion off the top of my head, but the, um, but the Easter egg is actually a side quest that takes place in the, the swamp. Really wish I could remember the name of that DLC, but what it is, is it's, uh, it's based on the short, so short story, a Dunwich, Dunwich Manor. Or maybe it's Dunwich Horror. I can't remember. It's a, a story, short story by H.P. Lovecraft. And the way they were able to convey it into the game, like Fallout 3 really, it never seemed like a, a game that brought any form of anxiety or fear into me when I was playing it. However, when I started playing that, and Dunwich Horror is actually one of my favorite uh, stories aside from like actual Cthulhu stories by HP Lovecraft and immediately like within the first couple steps of that quest I was like I know exactly what this is from and there were parts of that quest that actually made uh, the hair on the back of my neck stand up and that's something that wasn't able to be done on any portion any of the rest of that game and I think it's important to uh, appreciate the games that have the tools and utilities to deliver the proper atmosphere for uh, horror. Because there, there are some games out there that don't necessarily fall under the genre, but still have the capability in side quests or certain storylines in there to properly convey the horror element. And with that, the games that I actually played that could fall under horror is... Uh, Diablo or Path of Exile, uh, those are usually pretty morbid settings. Uh, Friday the 13th is probably the staple out of all of them. And how I actually started playing that game is I recently started started playing it very recently. Uh, I was never a huge Friday the 13th fan. I've seen most of the movies. I recent, recently went back and watched all of them. I had myself a Friday the 13th marathon with my cat. <laughs> and love that cuddle time. I bet. And how I got involved in Friday the 13th is one of my community members, Grim Kaiser, uh, ended up gifting the game to me. And we, uh, him and Diabetic Steve, just started gifting the game to everybody. And we just, we all got together and we played one night. And we're like, this would be fantastic for a stream. And the really cool thing about. Friday the 13th, it kind of comes full circle because the community manager for uh, Gun Entertainment, the developers of Friday the 13th, 
is actually originally from Ubisoft, and he was the former community manager for The Division. And he has been excessively kind with uh, like doing giveaways uh, when we're streaming it on Saturday nights. Uh, he's given away multiple copies of the game, so a huge shout-out to uh, Matt Shacha. I love you, brother. Uh, and Gunn is actually working on another game that I'm thinking about streaming, which is uh, Layers of Fear 2. I have not yes. played the first one. Uh, have you played it? Yes, I have. Yes, I, have. I know very little about it, and I'm I'm excited. I don't know if it's gonna be. I don't know if the first one's gonna be one that I'm going to stream while I play it. Oh. I might do that on my own time. Uh, still, still undecided on that. But uh, I also stream Doom, and the original Doom that came out in 1993. Uh, for quite until resident evil came out it was probably and for the younger generation they may they may not see it but it was probably the scariest game i played up to that point and i think it's important to remember that uh up to that point like there there wasn't much immersion in video games you had a lot of 2d textures poorly drawn 2d textures and then Doom puts you in this uh, uh, almost 3D environment. It's actually 2.5D, but we're gonna yeah. we won't get into the, yeah, we'll, the technical aspect of that. Yeah, we'll just yeah we'll just like stretch the truth a little bit. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and when you're going through those levels, and you can actually hear uh, enemies in the distance uh, fighting, uh, you don't necessarily hear echoes, but there's certain uh, acoustic uh atmosphere triggers in there that really deliver uh a horrific experience especially when you're a little uh how old was i i think i was 10 yeah i was 10 when it came out and when you first hear the footsteps of the cyber demon in the second episode that was probably uh my sweatiest try hard moment in gaming history trying to survive that getting barraged by uh rockets and i think i have an attachment to the series because specifically because of that battle and granted i'm being a little long-winded here uh yeah. so i'll just capture the the last game that i've been playing that could be considered horror is uh gauntlet dark legacy and while that's not entirely uh it's not scary at all the elements of it it has uh, like a playful gothic aesthetic to it uh you have the grim reaper chasing you around every once in a while uh the soundtrack is very uh american mcgee ish and i it's it's a wonderful game it got terrible well not terrible it got mediocre ratings when it came out but it's one of those where you can just sit back and just play and not have to think about too much it's okay to be long-winded because uh, that's what this podcast is about. It's like you can talk for as long as you want because it's a th it's, it's really like the horror is kind of like a pretty niche genre. So once you find someone mm -hmm. that you can talk with uh, talk to about it, then it's just like blah 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 blah, <laughs> and it's like it's really 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 cool. Like at least I yeah I love blah blah blahing just in general. But uh, you mentioned the older Dooms, but you didn't mention, like, the newer one that came out in two, uh, 2000. Was it 16? Like, what were your yeah. thoughts on that? 
Doom 2016 is a phenomenal game. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the they were able to take the very action aspect of it where you're just surrounded by hordes of enemies. And if you play on the higher difficulties in the original Doom, like Ultraviolence, it is packed with enemies. Like, you have to be strafing and moving constantly. Otherwise, you'll get hit and you'll die. And there's always been uh, weapon preferences in the game where people have their uh, certain weapon preferences. And when you play on the higher difficulties, there's kind of a shortage of ammo. Not that you'll run out, on all of them but you'll run out on your favorite weapon and one of my favorite aspects of the new doom is the chainsaw and not only does that have a nice morbid grotesque death but as you're sawing through the demons it just spews ammo everywhere so if you run out of ammo you can just switch to the chainsaw and boom refill your ammo whoever thought of thought of that idea i hope they get a promotion and I hope they're paid well in compensation for that idea. Best idea I've seen in a video game in a long while. And that could, uh, I could also pedal back and go to Doom 3. And that was in more of the post 2000. I think Doom 3 was probably one of the best horror games atmospheric wise that I have played. But that might be because I'm a Doom fanboy. Um, it did receive a lot of flack because you there was no way in the stock game when it was first released to mount the flashlight to the weapon. And the whole time through the game, you're switching between your flashlight and your weapon. And mm. there were a lot of complaints about that. And as a video game developer, uh, event eventually they ended up switching that. You were able to use the flashlight on the shotgun, machine pistol, and regular pistol in the collector's edition, I think. But as a developer, uh, I always think about the choices that they make and the fact that what, what are they trying to convey to the player? Uh, because they did that, was did they, did they think about mounting the flashlight onto the weapons? Because if you're sitting in... A space station and you're a marine you've been trained in survivability and utilizing tools around you and basically macgyvering stuff for survival i'm sure there would have been some duct tape sitting around where they'd be able to duct tape a flashlight to the side of their shotgun but the uh with how dark the game was lighting wise and they're showing off the new engine that had real-time shadows in it which up until that point a lot of games didn't have that, and they didn't have it optimized as well as the uh, Doom 3 engine did. So that's one aspect of the game that they probably uh, wanted to consider. And if you had to have your flashlight in your hand and had the option of having your weapon in your hand, if you had your flashlight in your hand, you weren't going to be able to fight. You are just going to be able to move around. And with the engine limitations back then... Uh, they probably didn't want the character, the player character, running around fighting and moving fast with that, uh, the lighting effects on, which were a staple of the engine, which made the game what it was, and causing slowdown. So, 
eventually once hardware got better for the computers, they decided to, I don't know if that's actually the reason why they did it, but I'm guessing uh, since it was the number one requested change in Doom and there was actually multiple mods for it, when they made the, uh, I think it's called the BFG edition, they just put it in the game. They're like, here you go, community. And the community <laughs> said, thank you. <laughs> I never got the privilege of playing like any of the older Dooms. Um, Doom 2016 was my introduction to Doom. And yes, Vicious, mm -hmm. it did have a badass soundtrack. Yes, it did. I, it's like it just made me, and I I don't really like play a lot of shooters, but that music just like you know what I am a badass. <laughs> pew pew pew, and like and I just love I yep. I appreciate also how simple the storyline was, not like in a bad way, but it's just like here mm -hmm. you woke up, there's a portal to hell open, all these demons are here, kill them all and close the portal to hell. It's just like you don't really need like too much more than that. Yep, Doom was about yeah. uh, about gameplay, not story. And, and then when they made a movie out of it, I was just like, what are they doing? There's no story. Oh, no. Yeah, I that movie. I, I, I don't know, like, what they were doing with that. <laughs> it's just, like, especially just, like, the ending sequence. I was like, why? <laughs> mm -hmm. However, like, the uh, first-person sequence through, through that movie, yeah. that was beautiful. Yeah. Absolutely beautiful. That was the... Uh, when I sat in theaters for that movie, the whole time I was just like, another failure of a uh, video game to movie, huh. movie, and shaking my head. Like, nope, they got that wrong. They got that wrong. What, what are they talking about? Aliens? Mutants? That That's not how Doom works. It's a portal <laughs> to hell. What's going on here? This isn't Resident Evil. <laughs> and then they went into the first person uh, sequence, and my liking from the film went from about a three to a six. Is it something that you would watch today or is it just like a one and done thing for you? I'd watch it again. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, I wouldn't be excited about it, but it'd be like, <laughs> oh, look, sitting in a hotel. Oh, Doom's on. I'll watch it. Oh, so one of those things, like if it was on TV yeah. and you had nothing better to do, like, oh, I'll watch it. But it's Correct. not like you would put it, willingly put it into a DVD player and watch it yourself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Oh, man. I downvoted it on Netflix. It's like, boo. <laughs> thumbs down. Yeah, because their rating system is very simple. It's either like thumbs up or thumbs down. Mm -hmm. I miss the star ratings. Yeah, I do too. It's just like, bring those back. Because I could at least give it, if I hate it, so yeah, I can give it like one star out of five. And I'd like feel like yep. some form of satisfaction. Like for... Mm -hmm. <laughs> Would you consider yourself a huge fan of the horror genre, or is it just something like, well, you know, I like it, I appreciate it, kind of thing? It's, I'm a fan of the horror genre, but it's always been uh, a passive fandom rather than something that I've actually pursued. Uh, like with Friday the 13th, like I said, I've seen most of the movies. Uh, before I started playing the game, then I went back and watched them all. There were some... Uh, there's definite highlights in where my fandom of the genre has peaked, but for the most part, it, like I said, it's something that takes a, usually takes a backseat to other elements, but I mean, uh, you have some films like Event Horizon, which I really liked. Uh, I really liked the Nightmare on Elm Street series. I think Freddy Krueger is my favorite uh, horror villain ever, because I... I enjoy dark humor 
and just the the comedy and uh, the darkness in those movies just went hand in hand so well in most of the films. But as for like sitting around and collecting a plethora of horror movies and stuff like that, that's not something that uh, that I do. I don't consistently seek horror video games to play, but there there are ones that end up taking coming to the forefront and demanding my attention and i'm really glad that uh uh, i give it to them like the the original resident evil uh when i first saw that game played it was uh there were two kids that i babysat for and it was reed and i can't remember the name of the older kid's name but i ended up putting them to bed and they they lived in a duplex and their neighbors were uh one of them was a college kid and the other one was an IT guy and they left their door open and it was in the middle of summer it was ridiculously hot and humid which i live in the midwest so in wisconsin that's it happens but the kind of heat that would that the temperature was that night was uh it it was above normal it was hotter than normal and they had their screen door open they had a big fan sitting there and i kept hearing this noise and it sounded like a door opening <laughs> i was like what the hell's going on so i'd go out and i'd look around and the only thing that i could see was street lights but everything else was completely quiet and then i'd go back in the apartment or the the duplex or whatever and i'd start hearing footsteps and i could hear somebody talking and every once in a while i would hear like just a short like jump scare scream and what the hell's going on so i go back outside and i still don't see anything so eventually i just uh grab a flashlight and i i walk around the building and i walk past their front door and everybody screams because they have their front door wide open and they're so focused on this video game and they see somebody just like walk past their front door and I was, you know, it scared me. They screamed, then I screamed because they screamed and uh, I was like, what are you guys doing? Why do you have your door open? Oh, we, we just got this game called Resident Evil. You want to come watch it? And at that point, uh, I've never... I've never made a habit of going into a stranger's home to watch them play video <laughs> games, but I'm really glad I did. I sat down and uh, every hour I'd go back and check on the kids and then I'd come back and watch them play. And I stayed up all night watching them play Resident Evil. And I watched them play from the first 15 minutes all the way up to the uh, plant boss. And uh... you can get to that pretty quick now, but back then it was like, yeah, I don't know six hours for their first playthrough but just watching all of the puzzle elements in the game as well as the crazy camera angles and the the tank controls on it where up is forward it uh i ended up getting a playstation a couple months later specifically to play that game i remember playing i played the first one the second one which i'm really excited for like the re the reboot remake like whatever super excited for that because leon was always like my favorite and then i Mm -hmm. played a four 
Uh, that's why I specifically bought a GameCube uh, was just to play for. And I just remember just like played it with all the lights off and it scared the bejesus out of me. Like, what were your thoughts on Resident Evil 4? Either people really like it or they really hate it. Like, was that the one that, uh, Code Veronica? Um, I don't think, like, it was Code Veronica. Resident Evil 4, uh, was with Leon and where he goes to, like, rescue the president's daughter. I have not played that one. <gasps> uh, the Resident Evil 4 that I'm akin to, uh, I played on the Dreamcast, which was actually called Biohazard Code Veronica. Oh. And I believe there was a remake for that one. And the the version of the game that I had was a Japanese import. And I think it was the, the true Resident Evil 4. I'm not actually familiar with the Resident Evil 4 that you're talking about. Let me look it up. Yes. And that was the reason I, like I said, I specifically bought the GameCube for that because it was a GameCube exclusive. Oh, no. I I've seen that one, but I have not. Oh, yeah. There their show is only for the GameCube. Uh, since you bought a Nintendo GameCube, did you ever uh, Eternal Eternal Is it Eternal Darkness? I've Maybe. never I've never played Eternal Darkness. Uh, let's see here, GameCube. I think it's yeah, Eternal Darkness, uh, Sanity's Requiem. It is. Uh, it's a Call of Cthulhu game that does not have the Call of Cthulhu branding. Oh. And I've heard that it is actually one of the scariest games ever made. And I've I've never played it. And it shows that there is... Scary Eternal Darkness. Right. Did they say originally planned for the Nintendo 64? What? That's... Whoa. <laughs> and it it was not a commercial success, I remember that. Like the game got terrible reviews, but there's uh it's one of those games that uh had a cult following to it. I am no, I've I've never like the name like when you said it it sounds familiar, but I no, I've never played it. I might have to uh pick up a GameCube to play this game. I completely forgot about this. This <laughs> podcast has put me down a rabbit hole. I'm buying a GameCube. <sighs> yeah. Gotta go on eBay. Yeah. See, you never... Buying it right now. Oh, gosh. Like, <laughs> see, yeah. You never know just, like, what direction that this podcast will go in. <laughs> now here he is, like, searching for GameCubes. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, I'm going to buy the game first. And then uh, if I have the game, you can legally emulate it so I might stream it, but if I can't get the emulation to work, then I'll buy GameCube and do it that way. Oh, okay. Okay. I used, I don't know what happened, like, to my GameCube, but I, yeah, I really like that console a lot. It was also on that console where I ended up getting, um, Metal Gear Solid, the Twin Snakes, which combined elements of Metal Gear Solid 1 and 2. Metal Gear Solid, of course, is not a horror game, but it's a game that mm -hmm. I greatly appreciate because um, it was one uh, of the first games that I played on the PlayStation, the first one. The Yeah, the Metal Gear Solid, that was the one that came in the two-disc case, correct? That is correct. That one actually yeah. had some really good horror elements in it. Who was the antagonist? 
that had that face mask, and every time he was on the screen, uh, there'd be static, and there was actually the end of the first... Spoiler alert! Uh, the end of the first disc, there was uh, that... I believe it was some sort of a torture scene where you actually had to do the whole Mortal Kombat test your might thing, mm -hmm. and you had to uh, rapid fire yeah. on the on the keys to stay alive, and if you made it, it it went into the second disc. But if you died, the game just ended there. Yeah, that yeah uh, that was torture scene involved. Psychomantis. Yes, yeah, Psychomantis. Yes. I remember that Cheers scene. You, sir. Yes, I remember that scene because it just blew my mind where he's like, I'm going to move the controller with my mind, place it on the floor. And it's just like, yep. what? Nowadays, you're like, okay, it's just like, you know, vibrate controller vibrations. Like, but back then, yep. it's just like, what? This is pretty cool. I like this. Yep. And then the torture scene, I think, involved um, it was Revolver Ocelot who did that. Was it? Yeah, Revolver Ocelot. It, the cowboy. It's been a while since I played it. Yeah, it's like the cowboy. That kind of guy. But yeah, like now that I think about it, just like even in games that aren't specifically classified as horror, like sometimes mm -hmm. those kind of elements can sneak their way into games. And I love it when they do because usually when it's not a. When you have a game that is not a horror game and they have some sort of horror element implemented in and they do it well it stands yeah. out that much more which is uh in a sense one of the things uh i really like about friday the 13th over dead by daylight dead by daylight's an awesome game i cannot criticize it in the slightest however uh for a horror game, I think Friday the 13th is significantly better because of the atmosphere that it captures. So you have the developer that was able to capture that, but you also, uh, as Vicious and I discussed uh, a while ago, conversation him and I had, uh, Friday the 13th also had the benefit of having that intellectual property already built up. It already had the antagonist built up. It already had soundtracks, sound effects, like all these elements uh, that were ripe for the taking. And then the developer's uh, gun were just implemented it so well. Uh, maybe not right away when the game first released. I guess there was a, a mountain of issues with it. But then they had a major patch and fixed a bunch of them. And just a, a little bit about Friday the 13th in case there's uh, anybody wondering out there. Uh, Friday the 13th recently came under fire for uh, not not just the video game, the entire intellectual property uh, came under fire from one of the original writers, I believe, that was suing um, the IP owners at the time, which was somebody in the film industry. So when that happened, there was a cease and desist for everything Friday the 13th. So you had this brand new indie developer that created this uh, critical hit of a game. Not right away, uh, but after that uh, that patch definitely took off. And they are on. They have this uh, game that sold uh, a ridiculous amount of copies. It captured a great element of uh, the horror industry, like not only from film but even in video games. The atmosphere in it is beautiful. Like you actually have the first time i played it i was actually fearful when i was playing the game and they cannot release any new content for it at the moment 
So they have this, uh, they basically have this gem that they can't do anything with. They can polish it a little bit. They can do bug fixes. They can do quality of life changes. Now that the lawsuit's settled, uh, I don't know what's going to happen to it, but I know that there's uh, another major patch release coming that's going to uh, be fixing a lot of bugs in it that uh, were either a cause of the past bug fixes or something that have just slipped through the cracks in the last fix. I do agree, uh, Vicious. They captured the movies perfectly in that game, and just the at the overall atmosphere of the movies. And I played the, I played that game for like quite a while. I guess the reason why I stopped playing it was because of that lawsuit. Because I figured, oh, nope. well, no new content's going to be coming out. Like, how uh, much fun is it still going to be? So, yeah. But kind of knowing now that the lawsuits all settled, I kind of kept my ear like out, like listening, just like mm -hmm. for like you know, but on and off. But now that I know that it's settled, then I might start getting back into that game again because I really did enjoy it, like a lot. And some, something to keep in mind with that is, yeah. uh, like in the gaming industry, especially a small developer like Gun. Once they were handed uh, that cease and desist, like as as a small developer, like how do you keep uh, money coming in? Mm -hmm. uh, do you keep how how do you like business wise? What decision do you make? Do you uh, continue making content for a game that sold very well that you might never be able to release, or do you put that on the back burner and start developing a new game? So there is some content uh, that was near finished. I don't know if it was ever finished to the point where they'd be able to release it. Uh, there are some YouTube videos out there about some of the some people hacking the game and getting this content and being able to play it, mm. but it's unfinished. And uh, we we may never actually see new content for the game because. Uh, the programmers for the game have been working on different projects. And I think that's important to remember. And I think that's a very good decision for that indie developer to make is, right. Hey, we want to keep you guys around. Uh, we don't want this to be a, a dead end. And then essentially having everybody lose their jobs. And, you know, uh, these people have families that they have to support, put food on the table and stuff like that. So it, uh, Friday the 13th, the game kind of has its own little horror story in itself. Like the, it, it's an amazing game, but it, it might be at a dead end, uh, content wise. And it'd be really nice to see more content made with it. But, uh, the last I heard, which was one of the forum posts, uh, by Wes, the, uh, head guy at gun is they they uh, uh, they want to make more Friday the Thirteenth content, but even though the lawsuit settled, uh, they're actually directed by a par parent company uh, with Friday the Thirteenth as part of their agreement called Horror Inc. I believe Horror Incorporated, and Horror Incorporated has been trying to get a hold of the or get permission from the person who owns the Friday the 13th IP now so that they can release more content. Mm. But I guess that uh, the person who owns the IP hasn't even bothered contacting uh, Horror <sighs> Incorporated at all. 
that's that's a shame because mm-hmm. I know that fans of that game would like to see like new content released, but like you yep. said, because of that, it's kind of at a dead end. But would you still rec- yep. would you still recommend that game to people, and would you still play it, just even knowing that there's that kind of like roadblock there? The the game itself, and I'm gonna kind of go on a a little other tangent here okay. uh, for that. Uh, the game itself, the current state that is that it is in for twenty bucks, I think it offers a significantly better atmosphere than Dead by Daylight. Uh, however, the matchmaking system has some issues. Uh, so, if you have a group of friends to play it with, I would strongly recommend it. Uh, if you're still kind of on the fence for it. Uh, I'd say wait until the patch fix. If the patch fix, or if the next patch fixes uh, a lot of the matchmaking issues with it, uh, I would still recommend it. However, if uh, you don't have anybody to play with and uh, you just eat content and you need new releases, go with Dead by Daylight. However, uh, something that I will that I want to point out, and this doesn't just pertain to Friday the Thirteenth. It pertains to any game out there. Uh, And uh, I often use this uh, comparison with music, so it applies there too. But uh, sometimes new, like new content or a new release isn't required. And what I mean by that is uh, people playing video games these days are usually excited about the next DLC. Like, t- take a look at Destiny. Like, the community there is, like, what, you know, we ate up all this content. When's the next DLC coming out? And they keep wanting more and more and more. However, uh, when I grew up playing video games, like, we didn't get content with video games. We just, it was like, here, this is the game that we have for you. And if it was fun to play, you could put hours upon hours upon hours replaying it. Take a look at Super Mario. People still play Super Mario. You don't need new content for the original new Super Mario games are cool, but people still go back and play the classic Super Mario Brothers, and you don't need anything else. You know what the game is. Uh, The platform game is fun as hell to play. It has classic elements in it. Like, hey, do you remember uh, which way to jump through the boss level uh, to get to Bowser in 8-4? And somebody can usually rapid fire. Oh, yeah, you go through the middle one and the bottom one and the top one. I don't know if that's correct because I always screw it up. But uh, you didn't need new content. It's fun because of what it was. And if Friday the 13th, the game, doesn't see any more new content, that is the category that I would put it in. The atmosphere that it it captures, uh, playing it with a group of friends, uh, it's... Uh, we, I only play it one night a week on the stream, and I, I don't play it outside of the stream because I don't want to burn it out. Uh, we didn't play it last night because of uh, I ended up having a veteran friend come over that really needed a friend to talk to, and he took uh, precedence over it. Absolutely. But Saturday nights, like, it's... Uh, I have... I've been streaming a little over a year, and I have never gotten the amount of positive feedback on anything as I have with the Friday the 13th streams. So not only is it the game uh, for the success of the channel, 
not only was it the game, but it's also the people that I chose to play it with. And I think that's uh, uh, something to keep in mind when you're playing a game. Like if you don't have, if you're not having fun because of the people that you're playing with, get involved in a community. And because like, like I said before, like the reason why I'm here tonight is because of the division game. And th this wouldn't have happened if I did not get involved in the Division community at all. Like, if I just continued playing solo mm -hmm. and complaining, oh, I don't have anybody to play, <laughs> uh, you know, the, the missions with, and I just continued complaining about it and didn't, you know, try to push my boundaries a little bit and become a little bit more social, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't have experienced all the great things that I have in the, the past year and a half. I wouldn't have met all of the great people that I have in the past year and a half. And it's an, it's an absolutely beautiful thing. But I am just, you know, like I mentioned before, just I'm so thankful for the people that I have met uh, through the horror mm -hmm. community, through Twitch, and just being able also to talk to you. Like, like uh, you mentioned, it was a very spontaneous thing, very quick. Like, hey, you want to be mm -hmm. on the podcast? And you were like, hey, yeah, let's, uh, what time, what day? Yep. And it's just like, da da da. Sometimes you <laughs> just got to roll the dice, yeah. see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and now that I know that you play Friday the 13th, I'm always like trying to look for new people like to play yep. um, play games with. Like, I may have to hit you up. What so, uh, platform do you play on? Um. I do PC for that one. Do you play okay. on Do you play on console? Uh, PC only. PC. I'm a PC only. Oh. Yep. I <laughs> I have an Xbox One and a PS4, but I made a decision probably about last August that I was going to end my uh, my purchase of future consoles and uh, games, so I could focus specifically on PC because it. I'd rather spend more money on games playing it on on here than being all over the place i'd have to buy less hard work <laughs> yeah as vicious said don't expect teamwork uh we right now on uh, friday the 13th jason for newcomers jason might see overpowered seem overpowered but if you get counselors that actually work together like jason doesn't even stand a chance and that's one of the things that are that i believe are going to be announced in the new patch or uh balancing features okay. and the way that we j just a heads up uh the way that we play on stream is for entertainment value only yeah uh like if we can create some sh some short some sort of shenanigans we do it <laughs> and we we have a, a guy we have a couple uh people on on the team that play uh cat claws is a riot with her one-liners uh, we have uh, Nuggets, who just screams at the top of his lungs like some of the <laughs> stuff ever. And then we have uh, Diabetic Steve again, who, uh, like, if you were to see pictures of this dude, like, this dude is ripped. Uh, and if uh, if I like guys, I definitely ask for his number. Uh, he's he's good looking, but he screams like a ten year old schoolgirl. <laughs> And it is it is drop dead hilarious. <laughs> oh man, well that's the way I play um games like that too. I'm not like you know I'm not looking to like get to the higher rank or to like be mm -hmm. an expert on it. It's just like 
Can I have fun, fun with yeah, can I have fun mm-hmm. with it? If the answer is yes, then full steam ahead. Because yeah, I am not a gaming expert by any means. Just Something that uh, <laughs> I'm finding kind of interesting right now mm-hmm. is uh, I have the, the stream up so I can watch chat as well. <laughs> and one of the people that I'm following is actually playing Resident Evil 4 right now. <gasps> what, what are the odds of that? I think the universe is trying to tell me something. Yes, like play Resident Evil 4. And Resident there, it is, is available. Is a PC variant of it? Yes, it is. It is available on what? Steam. Yes. I might be uh, making a purchase right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I might have to get it on Humble Bundle, though, and then get the code on Steam. Yeah, it's like, I don't know, like, exactly, like, what uh, the price is on Steam just by itself. I'm just surprised it's on there. I yeah. thought it was a console-only game. Yeah, I guess. Um, the port, honestly, from console to PC is not terrible. And it is... Was... Uh, was that the one that they had to fix the hell out of because the original port was almost unplayable? I don't. And then they patched it. I don't know if that was the exact one. I know one of the Resident Evils, the port was really bad, but I don't know if it was four, or if it was another one. I wanted to say it was like Resident Evil Zero, but don't quote me on that. <laughs> <laughs> I have, uh, I'm searching for it and it's on Resident Evil 4 is actually on my ignored list. <gasps> How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> Ultimate HD edition. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember watching this one. This one originally came out on PS2, didn't it? Um, it originally came out like for the GameCube at first. Um, that's because it was a GameCube exclusive and then yes, it made mm-hmm. the jump to the, the console, the PS2. Yeah, I I watched my uh, my friend play it because he was he originally was raging that it was a GameCube only game and the guy was all about the PlayStation <laughs> and I actually watched him play this for a little while. Yeah, that, so I, I haven't played it myself, but I've seen it. You have to play it and experience it for yourself. Add to cart. I think most people's complaints about this game were that, oh, it's too action-y, and that's why you saw, like, Resident Evil 5 and 6, like, go in that direction, like, the action direction. And it's just like, yeah, like, I can... People, like, either really like 5 or hate 5. I hated it. I blocked out even Mm -hmm. beating that game because I thought it was just... It frustrated me so much. 6 was just... A raging pile of hot garbage. I didn't even bother with six. <laughs> I watched my sister play six, and that was enough for me. But have you uh, played Resident Evil Seven? No, uh, that game I have watched many streamers play it, oh, and okay. one of the people that I watched play it uh, wasn't like he streams as a hobby, and he rarely streams at all anymore. And he ended up playing that. Uh, with his wife sitting next to him by his side and just having his uh, gamer experience uh, going through and solving the puzzles. And then you had her there for entertainment value because she doesn't like horror movies at all. (laughs) And Resident Evil 7 is, it's a scary game. So you had the the dialogue between the two, uh, which was very husband and wife-ish. 
which was entertaining, but uh, they're also a very loving couple, so uh, he'd be there supporting her when she uh, got really fearful, and she'd always tell him a good job once he solved a puzzle. And it was great to watch that element of uh, the relationship work out as well as uh, progressing through the game. And I ended up buying it for the Xbox One, but I believe I still have it, and it's probably still in the shrink wrap. <gasps> yeah, it's another game. Like, yeah, it's fun to watch, but you definitely need to experience it for yourself as well. Um, my main issues, it wasn't even, like, really, like, a major issue. It's just, like, the protagonist was a little bit forgettable. Mm-hmm. in my view, but the atmosphere and the stuff surrounding him kind of made up for all that because it was creepy as hell. <laughs> I am trying to see if there was a Code Veronica remake that came out and I'm not finding out what platform it came out on. Huh. It's a mystery. Ooh. Oh, it came out on the PS4. Hmm? Uh, if you have one or you have access to a Dreamcast, I highly recommend playing uh, Code Veronica. Code Veronica is hands down my favorite Resident Evil game. Code Veronica. I do have a PS4, actually, and I got it specifically for um, console exclusives. Like right now, I'm playing yeah. Spider-Man. So, uh, yeah, it's $14.99 on the... Okay. on the PlayStation Store right now. Okay. And that's probably why uh, you never heard of it, is because it was a, a Dreamcast exclusive. Oh, yeah. I was never really into the Dreamcast. Uh, I had a Sega Genesis, and that's that was my main console for like a long, long, long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I was a big console person before I got into PC gaming. No. Two of my favorite... Uh, one of them I don't know if you could really call them a horror game. It was uh, it was an action game, but it had like the comic horror element to it. Uh, Chakan, the Immortal Man. Uh, that's one of my favorite. Actually, that might be no uh, Wizards and Warriors would probably be above that. But uh, my second favorite platformer of all time would be Chakan, the Immortal Man, which is a game. Uh, that gave you infinite lives and you used all of them (laughs) trying to beat the game. It was very difficult. It had a great soundtrack. Uh, There was that one and another one of my favorite horror staples is called uh, Haunting that was on the Genesis. And I don't know if you've ever played that, but Mm -hmm. if you still have your Genesis, I highly recommend picking it up. Uh, You played... Uh, I can't even remember the guy's name. He looked like Frankenstein in uh, in a leather jacket. And you were trying to scare this family out of their house. And they couldn't see you, but you would walk around and you would try to uh, interact with the environment. And they had all these animations for like stuff in the kitchen, uh, living room, whatever. You could interact with everything. And... Uh, it would build up their scare meter and eventually they'd run out of the house. I believe there were four houses that you had to do that in. It was absolutely wonderful. Yeah, I wish I had still had my Genesis, but it died eventually, like all consoles do. They have their 
they have their shelf life, and mine lasted actually for about like 15 years before it finally kicked the bucket. And I was so sad. <laughs> so, Chakan, the Immortal Man, and the Haunting. Okay. And also. And I think there was also a game for the Genesis called Immortal that was uh, a horror based uh, Dungeons and Dragons uh, isometric game. So kind of a third person-ish. And I think that also gave you infinite lives because it was ridiculously difficult. Yeah. I think the true, true horror game that I first played uh, was on, I forget whether it was for the PS1 or the PS2. I don't remember. I think it was for the one. It was called uh, Dracula, The Last Sanctuary. And it was just, I don't know if you ever heard of that one. But my advice to you is don't. Don't bother. <laughs> oh, that one. Was that a... Uh... I remember seeing this. Uh, was that by the same team who did uh, the Bram Stoker's games? That I could not tell you, but all I remember that of that game was I liked the atmosphere. I liked the fact because... I was the type of person that would just read, I would read for fun. I still do. And mm -hmm. I read Dracula and I thought that, that game evoked the overall Victorian aspect of Bram Stoker's novel, which I thought was excellent. But the puzzles were, mm -mm. like you needed a walkthrough just to get through that entire yeah. game. It was, it was ridiculous. Here it is. It says it's a, uh... Uh, this game is a sequel to the uh, unofficial sequel to Bram Stoker's Dracula. So it's a sequel to the video game Dracula Resurrection. And uh, I I misspoke. I didn't uh, actually mean Bram Stoker's. I, I thought it was uh, the Clive Barker games. Mm. Uh, like Alone in the Tower, I think it was. The, that series of games. I thought it was the uh, same developer who did it, but now I'm going to have to go and look at that. So It looks like it has... Uh, a very similar aesthetic, but that might just be because it was on the PlayStation. And each era of gaming seems to have a certain aesthetic to it. Yeah, yeah. Alone in the Tower game. Is it Alone in the Tower? Is that the right one? Uh, alone in the Dark. There we go. Yeah, it was alone somewhere. I just don't remember whether it was dark, whether it was tower, whether it was something along those lines. Let's see here. thought there was a, a bunch of the... Yeah, there's one for the original PlayStation, which was... There's Jack in the Dark, that's PC, Alone in the Dark 3, PC, Windows 95, oh my goodness. Uh, Alone in the Dark, uh, The oh, New Nightmare, here oh we go. God, now I feel old of Windows 95. <laughs> <laughs> I still remember Windows 3.1. I don't remember that one. <laughs> it's a good thing you don't remember it, Publisher, Info Games. Yeah. Designer, platform, publishers. Nope. I am 
I am incorrect. Oh well. Now I know. Now I know I'm wrong, so it's good. One person in my chat said, speaking of Clive Barker, he had a killer FPS horror game too. Uh, Clive Barker's Undying. Clive Barker's Undying? I think that was part of the Condemned series. Let me look at this. Undying. That one looks like it might have been on... Oh, that was only on Windows. Really? On the Unreal Engine. Have I played this one? Oh, yeah, I've played this one. This is the one that had that really... It took a really long time to... Uh... <laughs> yeah, holy cow. This brings back a lot of memories. This was a good game. However, yeah, uh, reception, it was received or reviewed as favorable. However, yeah, that's the same time that Return the Castle Wolfenstein came out. Mm. And I fell in love with that game. Yeah, I haven't played any of the old, like, Wolfenstein games, like, at all. Like... There was a Wolfenstein game that you can't actually purchase anymore. Uh, I think it's just called Wolfenstein, and it was developed by Raven Software, who now make help make Call of Duty games. And uh, the really neat thing about the Wolfenstein uh, universe is it takes a very occult aspect from it uh, because the, the Nazis during World War II were actually... Uh, like part of their human mm -hmm. experiments and whatnot, they actually tried to figure out a way to make uh, super soldiers. So that's where all the genetic testing comes in. And not only that, they also tried to uh, resurrect the dead and tried to make undead soldiers. And they were actually searching the world for all of these uh, old artifacts. And this uh, Wolfenstein, I'm going to have to look up which Wolfenstein game this was. Uh, I think it's something that was only on Xbox 360, hmm. maybe. And here we go, Wolfenstein 2009. Uh, it's co-developed by Raven. Yep, that was it. It okay. was on uh, Windows, PlayStation 3, and Xbox 360. Okay. And it had a very occult aspect to it. Uh, some of the weapons actually uh, dealt with that. And uh, where was I going with that? Uh, during World War II, I think it was the Russians who actually were able... I don't know if they were officially able to, uh, but they actually had a dog that they either pieced together or that was dead, and they got its... It, it's been dead for a long while, so it wasn't something like... It's like, oh, somebody's dog died. Let's see if we can resurrect it. Uh, they had it. They had it hooked up to all this stuff, and they had it back alive for, I think, eight seconds. Ew! <laughs> yeah. I th there might be a video on it on YouTube. I don't know if it's been debunked. Uh, but that that's just me just pulling information that I've obtained over the years. I don't know if, it's, uh, if it was one of those things that somebody cl cleverly made up 
but uh, uh, apparently, to my knowledge, yeah. that's happened. Yeah, I didn't know about the whole fact how during World War II the 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 Nazis were involved in like you no know, mm-hmm. those sick kind of human experiments. So I knew like that aspect of it, but it's just like ah, sick. <laughs> That's sick. <laughs> wait, okay. Grindhead Jim says, uh, "Wait, undead Nazi dog. That needs to be a band name or something." Yep. <laughs> yeah, Indra's yeah. Yeah, Glav, they were involved, like, in, like, the occult, like, in the finding of all the yep. uh, of the occult art- artifacts and stuff like that. That wasn't, that's not just, like, a story that's made up. They were actually, yeah, interested it w- in that. It was weird. <laughs> it was so weird. Yeah. Oh, yeah, as far as Wolfenstein, I only played the, um, the New Order. I haven't played the New Colossus mm-hmm. or anything like that, but I really did, like, enjoy... The new order. I thought that, that was pretty cool. Like the whole what fact- kind of. Go ahead. Oh, that, they had like the not the base on the moon, like mm-hmm. because like they always want to like do like space travel before anybody else. It's just like that was pretty interesting seeing a base on the moon. <laughs> what kind of uh, first person shooter games do you like? Do you like uh, the more shooter style, or do you like the ones that tell more of a story? I tend to like ones that tell more of a story. So it's not just like, oh, here's a shooter, now you're in it, go play it. Because that's the reason why mm-hmm. um, the Call the Call of Duty games, going off on this tangent, that I liked uh, Black Ops the best. Yeah. Because it did have that, that secret like government like spy almost aspect story yep. to it. And then, of course, it has Call of Duty Zombies, which I love zombies. <laughs> so... Yeah, those are the kinds of shooters that I tend to like the most. Not just ones where it just drops me in. Like, shoot things. Why? Just because. Um, the only exception to that rule is Left for Dead 2. <laughs> uh, the reason why I bring that up is because there was a standalone game for uh, the newer Wolfenstein games called Wolfenstein the Old Blood. Okay. And that game is it's a first-person shooter. But the Wolfenstein community was actually pretty disappointed with it because it was less of a shooter and it was almost like a first-person strategy slash story game. There were a lot of shooter elements in it. uh, But, uh, like, you originally start out the game as uh, BJ Blazkowicz and you're in a wheelchair. You're paralyzed from the waist down. So you're actually crawling through... uh, spoiler alert uh you start off the game crawling through a nazi prison and uh i won't give too much of it away but you had uh the start of the game you have to escape this prison and uh you're crawling through the air vents and the as again going back to the horror aspect like you're watching uh these prisoners be punished by getting eaten alive by dogs as you're crawling through the air vents trying not to uh, uh, get attacked by them. And uh, the the whole element of being paralyzed from the waist down and having to make it through this, uh, the, it's one of the modern games that I actually thought was pretty terrifying and the developers conveyed... Uh, the terror that BJ experienced in that prison very well. That... It's, uh, it's y- awesome. Yeah, I've that I've written that down like all the ones that you have recommended, so I could like definitely like take a look at that. But 
yeah, that would be terrifying. The fact that not only you're mm-hmm. paralyzed from the waist down, but you want to get out of this sick place. And plus there's dogs like eating people alive. Like you really, yep. you really can't do anything because you're paralyzed from the waist down. You're having to hear all that. And, mm-hmm. and you don't get, uh, I, I don't believe you actually get a weapon uh, for a while in that game. It's almost all uh, like survival horror and puzzle solving for the first portion. Oh wow! And so do people? That's why the. Go ahead. You know, do people try to attack you in the game, like before you even yeah. like everyone? Oh Jesus! Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's also like using your brains to like tr- also not only solve puzzles but also like to not get noticed or attacked. Exactly, okay. and uh, it if you're okay with me going on a little bit more about yeah. some of the aspects in that game, I would I'd absolutely love to. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Grindhead Jim says, I swear, Bike needs to be a game community manager. Dude could sell any game to anybody. I would probably quit my job at the railroad to become a community manager for uh, a product that I believed in. Yeah. Uh, I would I would take the pay cut because I'm pretty sure it'd be a pay cut for that. Yeah. But uh might be less travel. I'd be able to be home and stream more. Yeah. Uh, it's something that people may not know about community managers, though. Uh, how a lot of community managers have gotten their job is through streaming or their involvement in the community there. And it has been kind of a bane for some community managers because they got popular on the game that they became a community manager for. And if you become a community manager for that game, you cannot monetize off the game because it becomes a conflict of interest so they can no longer stream the game that made them popular yeah it's kind of catch 22 there yep (laughs) and it uh it it sucks like that that's something that uh i actually applied for a community manager position in uh malmo sweden for uh massive entertainment which is the developer of the division two and they, I found out they weren't looking for a community manager. It was a community developer, which is a tier or two above a community manager. So, but I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd pursue it. I'd throw an application in, roll the dice, see what happens. If I, if I decided yeah. not, I could always say no. I think risk taking is something uh, more people should do more often. Like if, you know, just like if there's somebody out there listening they're like uh i'd consider streaming i'd consider it just do it uh you don't need a camera to do it uh, you can do it with a cheap headset hit that live button get it going see what happens you never know you never yeah. know who you meet yeah like i started streaming with just a laptop that was not made for game streaming at all mm-hmm. and it was a xbox 360 headset hooked up to with a mic it was hooked up to the controller and that's where i got started all because i just like watched someone and i was like you know like i could do this and here here i am almost four years later (laughs) and it it can be pretty draining that's yeah that's something that you know i i watch people i was like oh you're just playing video games with the camera on (laughs) anybody can do that yeah and now i'm like after you stream some days you're just absolutely beat and before stream uh stream time sometimes like do i have the energy for this tonight 
Uh, but back to uh, Wolfenstein, the old blood. Uh, during that first portion of the game where you don't have a weapon, uh, I can't remember the names of the enemies that they have walking around, but they're these giant guard robots that have uh, miniguns mounted to them. Uh, and they're set out on a certain path because they have to be hooked up to this electrical system so that they're powered. So kind of think of it like a uh, almost like a tram system where they have a rail that they have to follow. And so you have the survival horror, but also the stealth game element where you see exactly how these things are routed and you have to make your way around this. And there are certain puzzles to turn off the power, but that power is only temporary. And I believe if you down one of these enemies, uh, which they make it ridic ridiculously difficult to do, uh, you can actually temporarily use their uh, minigun. I might I might be mixing this up with uh, one of the other games, but I'm almost positive that's an element in it. And just the variety that they give you to work your way through this game, and e that's one of the things I liked about the new Wolfenstein games is they weren't necessarily run and gun like the old game. You could go through and you could play it. Uh, you could play it stealth. Uh, you could just go go in guns blazing. You could do a mix of it. And uh, going for going through the stealth element, I think Wolf or Return to Castle Wolfenstein uh, RTCW has one of the best stealth missions in any game ever, and it's one of the. Uh, missions where you're giving the silent sten uh which is a uh english uh submachine gun and you have to actually escape from the castle to go to the next portion and when you're going through the actual camp just the uh it's one of the first games uh besides the thief games to really convey the element of stealth in a video game yeah. I like going on tangents. No, that's perfectly fine. <laughs> uh, I Stealth, it just depends like on the game. Some games I'm really good at it, and other times I can, I can only stay hidden for like maybe like five seconds before I get noticed. It's like, well, shit, how did they notice me? Like, my, maybe my foot was sticking out like or something. I don't know. But is the stealth ridiculously hard in that game, or is it just basically like, you know... It, it's not ridiculously hard, but if you don't know that you're supposed to be going through it stealth, which if you watch the cutscene, they flat out tell you you're going to have to go through it stealth. It's, uh, uh, it brings the sense of anxiety, but it's not difficult. Okay, because um, stealth could sometimes freak me out, depending, because I'm the type that just wants to, like, you know, well, it's going to be faster than I shoot everybody. Yeah. Let's just kill everybody and get it over with. But if it comes to a level where I do have stealth, like, okay, I have to be mm -hmm. patient now. <laughs> so it's like, it's hard, but I could do it. Uh, a game or games that come to mind where uh, some games have a, uh, a story mode to them where they decrease the difficulty. And I kind of appreciate that aspect because there's some really good games out there that have a really good story to it, but the game mechanics are uh, not exactly what the uh, uh, player character, not the player character, the player actually wants. 
And I go and I think about that, and uh, some of the old games like uh, the Baldur's Gate series, which were done by the developers that uh, created the original two Fallout games, uh, they're heavily, or actually they are Dungeons and Dragons games, but the original Baldur's Gate, the sequel, Baldur's Gate 2, I, the longest playthrough of any single non-multiplayer game that I played was that game, and it was 260 hours for one playthrough. Wow. And the there's some elements in there, and back to the horror aspect, uh, there's a character uh, called Bodhi in there who's actually a vampire, is one of the most well-written uh, enemies I've encountered in a game. Uh, best damn RPGs ever? Absolutely, I agree with that statement. Uh, I I think back on those games, and I think I, I think the new enhanced editions actually have what's called the story difficulty, where it's not difficult. But the whole point of the game, aside from the uh, the rich story to it is the aspect of playing it kind of like a strategy game. Like it's meant every encounter is supposed to be like a puzzle. So if you take the element of uh, the difficulty out there and you're basically, you know, just point and click and boom, you win the, win the encounter and on to the next, you still get that story experience, but I find it's less rewarding where I think it would be less rewarding than uh, going through and like having this random encounter pop up when you're trying to fast travel from point A to point B and being able to work with the uh, different abilities with your uh, party to overcome these enemies. And I think that's something that's really cool about D&D in general is being able, you know, the, uh, the stories you create through the actual encounters. So... Mind flayers, beholders, yeah. dragons. Yep. Yeah. Like fucking beholders, dragons, mind flayers. Yep. Sometimes so. you just have to run away. Yeah, running away is a valid option. Also running in circles. Mm -hmm. That's also a valid option as well. <laughs> and speaking of Dungeons and Dragons, uh I really I haven't played the Ravenloft setting, which is the horror setting. Uh I've never played an actual pen and paper game of that. However, uh, there is the Neverwinter Nights Persistent World servers, which kind of act like a scenario like EverQuest or World of Warcraft, where you can always log on and play. Okay. However, with Neverwinter Nights, it's heavily role-playing based. And if there's anybody out there that has never played Dungeons & Dragons and wants an authentic Dungeons & Dragons experience... I highly recommend picking up Neverwinter Nights and getting involved in one of the what's called a persistent world community. And there is one for Ravenloft, and I cannot remember the name of it, but they take uh, the low amount of resources that the original Neverwinter Nights had, and they take uh, the... Uh, community expansion pack which the community created assets for the game and they bring this world to life and being able to go into these worlds and play the game and you know just standard game mechanics is really fun but being able to actually role play in real time with other players and you don't do it over voice chat like it's all uh, text-based with that interaction but it's still a third-person game 
It's an absolutely beautiful experience. I believe I've put more hours into playing Neverwinter Nights online in persistent world communities than I have in the entirety of the seven years that I dedicated to World of Warcraft. Wow. I played the old gold box ones. Nice. Nice. D&D. 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 I only think I ever played one session in D&D. And it was online. I don't remember like it was. Oh, for Tabletop Simulator. And yeah, the person running the campaign mm -hmm. was just like, it ended up being a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. But that's like the one and only time like I ever played Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, if uh, <laughs> like if you're if you don't have <laughs> the time to dedicate to the pencil and paper variant and you enjoyed yourself, I legitimately I think it's one of the Internet's uh, hidden treasures is the Neverwinter Nights Persistent World Experience. Uh, actually, now that the Enhanced Edition came out, I have no idea why I have not gotten back into it. It's You do not need a powerful computer for it. Uh, there is actually an Android and iPhone uh, client for Neverwinter Nights Enhanced Edition, and they're making it so like that. That's the amount of hardware that you need to actually run this game. You don't need. You can play it on just any standard laptop now, because the modern laptops are more powerful than the hardware that they needed back in 2000 when the game came out, 2002. Wow. And uh, the developer for the Enhanced Edition, Beamdog, does community streams every Friday. And just seeing the progression, like I, I'm not taking part of the community in that community at all right now, but I still go back and uh, I have Fridays off. So I watch these streams and just the, the way the developer is interacting with their community and adding features that the community is requesting so that these persistent world servers can thrive. It's, it's nothing short of beautiful. They are the pinnacle of what, uh, a community-driven developer is doing. Oh, so, yeah, you've recommended, like, a lot of good games tonight that I have put on my list. So, yeah, uh, Finding Code Veronica, Wolf of Sunday Blood. I'll look into Neverwinter Nights as well because that looks really... Because I really did enjoy myself with that D&D campaign. So, um... Oh, here it is. Uh, I'm going to post this link in your chat. They yeah, have a yeah. dedicated uh, website uh, for this persistent world. It's called Ravenloft Prisoners of the Mist. Okay. And uh, like just looking through their website, uh, do they have... Like if you go to the about section, like you can see how uh, basic the actual visuals are. But having... Uh, what's called the SEP, the Community Expansion Pack, and having all these different elements that they're able to uh, add to the game and create uh, a game that doesn't look very, doesn't look that much better than the original EverQuest, but that player interaction and giving you a plethora of tools to work with, uh, not only to do battle against enemies, but to interact with other players in a role-playing experience there, there is legitimately no game that does it better than Neverwinter Nights Persistent World uh, elements. And, uh, like, I, I honestly wish I had the words to convey how special uh, this experience was to me. 
Like it, I legitimately mean it is one of the internet's hidden gems. Yeah, so definitely look into that, um, and I will be too if you like D and D. And I, damn it, I lost my thought. Yeah, it's about probably like the millionth time this has happened, but yeah, <laughs> look into it if you don't like D and D. Yeah, bicycle death is one of the internet's hidden gems. Oh, oh shucks. Yeah. Oh shit. Not only on the internet, sir. I'm real. <laughs> yeah. I'm real. <laughs> so let's see here. Um, try to. Oh, okay. All right. I think I got uh, my I think I got my question, and well, probably I'll probably have to start wrapping up stuff soon. Not because I want to, but because my stomach really hates me right now, and I forgot. Oh yeah, I haven't. I haven't even eaten dinner yet. So like, no wonder. <laughs> no wonder. I tend to, sometimes I forget. Like yeah, Brandy, how could you forget to eat? It it happens. <laughs> but um, so if you were going to be recommending. Um, Someone says, I want just, like, a really good overall, like, horror game that has a good story, a good atmosphere, uh, good mechanics, but I don't know which one to, like, pick. Like, what would you recommend? And then, so, what would you recommend to them? I know it's kind of a loaded question. <laughs> that... Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I know I have... A recommendation for this and I know as soon as I get done with my spiel for a different recommendation done on the spot I'm going to regret recommending the game that I do uh, I, I know there's been I'm looking through my uh, stream playlist or my stream game steam games right now and I know there's one that I'm gonna be forgetting There's the uh, Hexen series, which was first person back in the 90s. Uh, specifically horror. Uh, if I were just to wing it and shoot from the hip and go with something that can be played on a modern computer that isn't too old, I would probably go with uh, the first Stalker game. Stalker Shadows of Chernobyl, which is a first person shooter. But it takes place on the Chernobyl uh, uh, nuclear site, like very much after the fact. There's a, a lot of survival elements in the game, but there are also uh, it it's also a first person shooter. Like there's uh, AK-47s that you pick up to battle monsters, but it's one of those games that has a cult following where the community actually got together to make patches for because it was so buggy and the graphics are a little dated with it but it's one of those games that uh there's no experience like it yeah good but a fairly hard game yes. like yes it is difficult yeah and i i can forgive outdated graphics if the atmosphere and the story surrounding it is mm -hmm. good like i'll revisit i will revisit metal gear solid right now um yeah, the graphics are, by today's standards, crap. But I forget that because I just enjoy the story and like behind it so much. So, yeah, like, dated graphics mm -hmm. don't bother me. 
at all. I, I'm kind of tempted to recommend Doom 3. However, once you get over the fact that uh, you have to switch between your flashlight and the weapon, <laughs> it's, it's just a scary shooter game. And Stalker has more elements to it than just being a shooter, which is why I chose that one. Uh, I don't date graphics. I put, put a ring, ring on them. Wait. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Like, yeah, you're, you're very punny, Jim. You're very punny. <laughs> <laughs> but going back to uh, Eternal Darkness for the GameCube, uh, I have not played it myself. I've watched people play it. And from what I understand, that is legitimately one of the scariest games uh, ever made. And... You could also go back with the uh, original Silent Hill game, but uh, seeing those two played, I believe Eternal Darkness takes the cake because of the fear aspect that's actually built in the game. There is a portion of it, or not, not even a portion, through the entire game you actually have to battle with the player character's fear level too. Like, if they become too fearful, it's almost like a health meter, well, they, oh, they wow. will die of fear. And being a HP uh, Lovecraft inspired game, like it gets, gets pretty crazy. Yeah, Lovecraft is pretty like crazy, like with his like, of course, like he made a Cthulhu. Um, mm -hmm. uh, on that note, one that I would re a game I recommend. It's a newer one. It just came out like I wouldn't say like recent, recent, but a couple months ago. It uh, Call of Cthulhu the game. Yes. I, so. Have you played that one? No, I've been watching uh, streamer Sangra Vampira uh, play it, and it's it's good. It's got the Lovecraftian atmosphere. It mm -hmm. stays true to it. It actually feels like you picked up like Lovecraft's novel and are reading reading the story. And it's got like different directions, like you can take it in, like. Um, the ending I got is not necessarily the ending that maybe other people got, mm -hmm. but I liked it nonetheless. <laughs> it It's a game that uh, seems like it's, uh, it's the true Lovecraftian experience. Yes. There have been a couple uh, Cthulhu or Lovecraftian games that have been released in the past that they're good, but they, they leave something to be desired. And uh, the new Call of Cthulhu game is one that uh, uh, hit the nail right on the head and drove it home. It's a, it's a beautiful game. It's a terrifying experience, which is good, because that's what the game was designed to do. On that note, uh, a game that I was actually pretty disappointed in that I wanted more from was Agony. Oh. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but heard, you were. Heard of it. Yeah, you were uh, essentially somebody, you were a lost soul in hell that was trying to escape. And uh, the idea and the concept of the game seemed awesome. The trailers for it were awesome. But the actual delivery of the experience was... Mm. Hopefully they do better for the next game. Yeah, some ideas, they're like, these are really great ideas, but the execution is somewhat lacking. Mm -hmm. And that sounds like that, that was a victim of that. Yeah, which is, yep. that's a shame. That's a shame. Because, yeah, I would have played a game like that had the execution maybe been a little bit better, but you already, like, watched it or played it for me, so I don't have to. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
That's what like we streamers tend to do sometimes. We play games, so maybe you don't have to. That's where I was with Resident yeah. Evil 7. Yeah. Yep. Great game. I, I loved watching it play, but that that's all I needed with it. That's And that's fair. Some games are just like that where all you really want to do is watch it, and then that's enough. You don't really mm -hmm. need to play it yourself. But if it gets to the point where you do want to play it yourself, I would highly recommend it. I, I'm probably going to take you up on that. Ding! <laughs> Alright, so let's now go ahead and start winding things down. My stomach really hates me now. It's like, eat! Like, okay, will you just hold on for a few minutes? Oh, I will um, ask a chat, a chat, chat, if they have any questions for you. And while, like, maybe they're thinking some up, why don't you talk about, um, um, kind of pimp yourself out in a sense. So your social media, your Twitch channel, when do you usually stream and when's the next time you're going to stream? The next time I'm going to stream is probably going to be on Thursday. Uh, all of my stream times are posted on my Twitch, which is twitch.tv bicycle of DTH because for some reason bicycle of death has been taken by another Twitch user. But if you Google bicycle of death, only I show up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I, uh, Fridays are usually random. Uh, Saturdays are 8 p.m. Central, and Friday or Saturday nights are the Friday the 13th streams, which uh, are it's a division-based stream channel most of the time. But that Friday the 13th has taken the cake for popularity. And then uh, Sunday nights, I usually try to stream around 6 p.m. I did not stream at all this week for uh, personal reasons. And then last mm -hmm. night, uh, my friend that needed a friend. And uh, I'm also on Twitter. My Twitter channel, my Twitter page <laughs> is uh, mostly stream-based, but there's a little uh, personal stuff on there. And I'm also on Instagram. Uh, most of that's just pictures of my records. And both of those are Bicycle of Death, all spelled out, all one word. And that's... Uh, that's pretty much it. Yeah, so you're pretty easy to find everywhere. Yep. Which is which is good because some people it's just like, okay, on Twitch I'm this, and then on Twitter mm -hmm. I'm this totally different name, and then on Instagram I'm also this totally different name. It's just like, don't confuse me. I'm confused enough as it is. So I I've been doing a little <laughs> headhunting on uh, on Twitch TV because that uh, other Bicycle of Death account has been inactive for over a year but they haven't uh, closed it out yet. So yeah. I've been like, hey, hey, get on this so I can have that name. And I've been been getting a little bit more persistent with it, so hopefully that, that proves to be fruitful. So I would like it if it was. Yeah, like my my Twitch name ended up being, um, I was Brandykins1982 for the longest time. Someone else mm -hmm. had already taken Brandykins, and once I saw that was available, I jumped right on it because I was sick of, Logging in with numbers all the time at the end. Yep. <laughs> because that was my hobbyist name. It wasn't my taking this seriously name, I guess, if you want to call it that. I don't know. <laughs> and s since you're allowing me to essentially pimp myself out, uh, I do have a uh, merch store on designbyhumans.com forward slash shop forward slash bicycle of death. And there is a design on the store called uh, Survival. And what it is, is it's a picture of a female uh, player character 
uh, taking out another player in what's called the dark zone in the game, which is the PvP aspect. And it has the Bicycle of Death logo on the top, and it has the Rogue Agent logo around it. And the whole point of that shirt design was to express uh, my support for females in the gaming community because they do experience that. I'm sure you know uh, ladies experience a hell of a lot of harassment, and there's enough harassment on the internet, which I think is complete bullshit. And to authenticate uh, that support, all profits from that shirt go are matched and get donated to the Joyful Heart Foundation uh, every month. And I, now that I say that, I don't think I've done uh, uh, January yet. I'm going to have to go back and look. And I, I post uh, what we donate uh, on twi Twitter every month. And what the Joyful Heart Foundation is, is it is a uh, charity and uh, a community that gets heavily involved with uh, helping victims of physical, emotional, or sexual abuse recover. And they get involved with, uh, with a ton of stuff. They do things uh, like their... Uh, uh, Twitter page. They get involved with uh, the legal rights of uh, victims of sexual abuse. Uh, in New York, they were a part of getting a, a new law pushed where uh, rape kits could no longer uh, be pushed into a backlog. Like they had an expiration date where they had to be taken care of. So it's uh, uh, not only is it, you know, just just a name where they say, hey, we do this. There's actually something going on, uh, you know, with it. There's progression, like there's factual progression in what they're doing. So that that's something that means a lot to me uh, because I have a lot of uh, ladies in my community and I think it's absolute bullshit that they have to put up with the stuff that they do in the gaming community and real life. And I want that to change. And I don't want it to just be a lip service. That is an awesome, worthwhile organization to uh, mm -hmm. to be dedicating um, those um, the sales of that shirt to. And uh, so, again, if people want to go to buy a shirt to support Joyful Heart, um, give out that website again. So where would they need to go to? It's designedbyhumans.com forward slash shop forward slash bicycle of death. And if you just went on the Design by Human site and just typed in Bicycle of Death, it'll pop up. Okay, so you can either take the long way and like make more yep. work for yourself, or you can go to Design or by the Humans. Short way. Yeah, or the short way, which I tend to make things harder for myself when people tell me that I I shouldn't. And then like later on, it's like, oh, I could have done it that way. Well, <laughs> it happens. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> I tend to overthink things sometimes. But yeah, let me look and see like if I have missed even. Kind of scroll back up to the very beginning. Let me look and see if I've missed any questions or comments like directed specifically towards. Um, do, 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 do. And it looks like, yeah, like some members of your community like have uh, visited them um, to show their support, which is also awesome to see. Is here in chat. Um, uh, it doesn't look like that. So it looks like most of the questions and comments that they have, we've taken care of, like during the podcast, like from what I can see. Um, 
Oh, it's full battery. Awesome. Yeah. Because if I started answering them, it might go on for an hour. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I would have gone on for a lot longer, but again, my stomach's just like, eat brandy. I'm like, fine. Okay, it's finally gotten it. to that I point. But yeah, I could have gone food on. Food is good. Yeah, food is good. I could have gone on for hours too, but alas, as they say, all good things must come to an end. So once again, bicycle death. Thank you so very much for taking time out of your evening this evening to talk with me about horror stuff and games, and I greatly appreciate you. And thank you for the invite, and thank you very much for your time. Yeah. Absolutely. I will have to hit you up about Friday the 13th and sneak my way in there sometimes. And before we finally sign off, any last final words? I think I'm going to get some food too. I'm pretty hungry. <laughs> Yay! Like me talking about food has made you hungry now. <laughs> yep. Way to go. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Brandy. <laughs> All right. Uh, you take care. And yep. Someone in my community says, nice to meet you, sir. So. Nice to meet you as well, Glav. Yeah. I appreciate the, the interaction. Yeah. And I know I will definitely be talking with you again, so it's not a goodbye, but I will talk to you later. <laughs> Adios. Adios. Once again, I want to thank you all for listening to this week's episode of Terrific Talk. And once again, thank you to Bicycle of Death for coming on. I greatly appreciate you. And I appreciate Bicycle of Death's community for coming out and supporting the podcast as well. And also thank you to my community. Uh, you will find this episode in about a week on anchor.fm slash terrific talk. And on my YouTube at youtube.com slash brandykins. Also, if you want to become a patron of the Terrific Talk podcast... Go to patreon.com slash brandykins to find the different levels and tiers that you can support. So to all of you out there, stay terrific, everyone, and bye bye <laughs>